Hello, my lovely ones, and welcome to Mumming with Magli, the podcast for any mum who has absolutely no idea what the fuck she's doing. I'm Magli, your host, and I can confirm I have no idea what I'm doing. Join me every week as I try and tackle this parenting business, the ups and downs, and the many trials and tribulations. Other moms will also join us and share their story. Let's open up the conversation around the hardships of motherhood and all the pressure that comes with it. Hopefully, it'll make us all feel less alone in feeling lost and completely winging it. I know I am. Enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have Shana with me. Welcome, Shana, onto the podcast. I'm going to let you just introduce yourself a little bit more and then also give us a bit of a background in terms of your setup at home, like, you know, how many kids you have, their ages, et cetera, et cetera, and what your day-to-day looks like, really. Oh, my goodness. I am Shanna. It is so, so good to be here. I'm so happy to be with another mom who is currently navigating this current, you know, crazy <laughs> life and worlds that we live in. I guess to give you the 30,000 foot view of who I am and where I come from, my background was a very linear path. I always saw, you know, it's this mindset my parents had taught me, and I think it's societal for some families in that you go to school, you get the job, you meet the person you're going to spend your life with. You have the kids, you keep working. And that was my path. And it was very clear and it was very straightforward. And then all of a sudden the path wasn't driving for me anymore. I just wasn't feeling lit up by my work. I wasn't, you know, when I became a mom, so much changed for me. And I, it was a perspective that I wasn't really anticipating happen because it wasn't a part of that path. It wasn't on the plan. And I really started to become unhappy. And I've learned a ton of this over the years as to where that was stemming from. And I can go into more of that later, but basically the long and the short of it is that my soul was not being fed anymore. It wasn't, you know, I had that job for a long time and it, it served me well. And especially with the benefits from my family and maternity leave and all those amazing, delicious things that you get with working for a corporation, but also you get the not so good flavors with it. And that was the working hours, the stress I was putting on myself while trying to manage an entire household, an entire family, you know, all of those three jobs in one, I was really struggling. So it was a point in my life where I really started to reassess what was going on with me. And um, I ended up leaving my corporate job of over a decade. And I went to life coaching school because I have wanted to be a life coach for so long. And it just finally felt like the right time to do it. So I went for it. And in the middle of the pandemic with no child's care, we were all working from home. It was just crazy in this house. I left my job, went to school, started my company, and that's what I've been doing ever since. So it's been an amazing journey. I have now a uh, five-year-old boy and I have an almost three-year-old girl. She is my COVID timestamp because she was born in April, 2020. So right at the start of everything. So yeah, my life is, has been very new for the past few years, but it's funny. I have a line, a lot of clients come to me and they say, I don't know who I am anymore. Right. It's like, we lose ourselves in this maternal yeah. journey. And what I found is that I never really lost myself. I ignored myself. It was a lot of the, I knew all the things I wanted to do for myself, but I just wasn't allowing myself the opportunity to pursue them. So when I allowed myself to open those doors, it just 
it changed my life. It's been amazing. Yeah, I really resonate with you saying that you do work three jobs as a mom. You know, you have your children, the household, and then your career, which brings you, you know, financial reward, hopefully. But my sister and I, she's also a mom. We joke all the time, are we moms or are we project managers? <laughs> You know, yeah, <laughs> and it's it's crazy. I have a question for you because although I know the difference, I don't know if I really know the difference, and I'm sure other people aren't sure. How would you define the biggest difference between therapy and life coaching? Absolutely, I knew that's what you were going to ask. The easiest way to describe it is. If you were to break your arm, you would go to a physical therapist, right? You would have someone help you get that range of mobility back, get you to a good baseline. That's therapy, right? They help you get to a point where things are stable. You're feeling good. You're feeling like yourself. Things are really level and in, in a good place. A life coach would be that personal trainer that you hire that when your arm is ready and you're ready to hit the gym again and ready to be back to your fullest potential and really hitting those goals that you want to be hitting for yourself, they're the ones that can help you get there. So my job as a life coach is to help people really reach their full potential. And sometimes, you know, it's something that's just not feeling right in their world or something they want to do in their worlds and they haven't done it yet. We help get to the core of what's going on and we clear their blocks and we put them on the path to do it. Correct me if I'm wrong, you work with moms mainly. Yes. Okay. What are some signs that moms can look out for in themselves, whether it be mentally, emotionally, that would tell them whether they should be potentially seeking help from a therapist or seeking advice and encouragement and support from a life coach? Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction. And I would say that if you are a mom that's struggling with a lot of deep emotion, right? If you're feeling, if there's been trauma, if there's been a lot of depression, a history of depression, if you feel like you're struggling with postpartum depression, you know, all of that kind of stuff, seek a therapist. I have some clients come to me sometimes and we'll start talking and I have a, a standard consultation I'll do with people and, you know, get to know them a little bit. And then we get into it. I'm like, Ooh, actually this is not a good fit. You know, sometimes mm. it shows up in the way of really trying to make progress, but progress isn't being made. There's a lot of, I guess the best way to describe is a lot of heaviness, a lot of deep emotion, a lot of emotion that can be a really good sign that therapy, that things need to be almost. If you think about a garden, you would till it, you know, you really need to turn up the soil mm. to get that underneath brought to, to light. That's therapy. Right. That's when I would say, if you feel like there's a lot that hasn't been worked through that really needs to be worked through, that's when therapy can re be a really good avenue. If you're in your kitchen getting frustrated with your husband because he's not helping with dishes or you're just <laughs> frustrated at the end of work every day or, you know, I never get time for me or I don't get to do this because, you know, those sorts of things become more of the life coaching. It's all right. There aren't any massive underlying issues that really need to be, you know, even potentially medicated, you know, there's, it's a whole other side of the world that, um, you know, can get really deep. And with life coaching, it's more of, I don't want to say surface level, but it's more of those tangible, actionable things that can be set into motion. So mood can all often be a very strong trigger. We can talk about this more too. It's, it's when we ignore our bodies as humans, 
our body will try to communicate with us louder. So the way it communicates is through sensations, vibrations, our mood. If you start noticing that you're getting frustrated a lot, or if you're getting snippy with you, that's always my number one sign. If I'm getting snippy with my children or my husband, I know something is not right for me. And I'll take that time to self-reflect a little bit. But if we're starting to notice that we're getting aggravated, resentful, those sorts of things, that's a great signal that you need to look at something and it could be done through coaching. It's funny because so I'm a yoga teacher. Uh, that's my profession. And I don't know if you find this being in this well-being industry. Do you find that sometimes I can only assume, Shana, <laughs> you're human. You still have moments where you doubt yourself right? How do you find, and this is a personal question for me. Sure. How do you find navigating those emotions and those feelings when you feel like you should be holding space for people, but actually you're not always holding space for yourself? Yeah. So I'm assuming that that's happening oftentimes when you're teaching. Um, no, actually when I'm teaching, it's like, I'm it's not even me at the risk mm. of sounding a little bit cringy. I mean, it doesn't sound cringy for me, but I know sometimes I'm quite a spiritual person and you know, that's not for everyone. And I respect that, but I feel like it's, I'm sort of just channeling a message from the universe and it's not really me. I just happen to be the channel of energy that I'm giving. Um, and I've learned to do that because otherwise I'm just giving myself away. Right. And I'm, I need to keep my energy for myself. So it's, outside of teaching when I don't feel like I am, for example, yeah, just holding space for myself outside of my work. Got it. So the brain mm -hmm. has about 60,000 thoughts a day, 80% of which are negative. Uh. It's a lot, right? So it's very human to have those sorts of thoughts that come through our brain and everyone could experience it different ways. It sounds like yours is more an imposter syndrome, maybe of like, I'm not good enough or I'm not doing this a certain way or like, who am I to be doing this kind of thing? It looks yeah, like you're yeah. laughing. So maybe I hit the nail on the head with that one. <laughs> um, so what's happening is that I, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you guys the secret to life. You oh, go on. <laughs> this is why we're here. <laughs> yes. Okay. So this, when you figure out this formula, which is so simple, you can change your life. So our thoughts create our emotions, which then create our behaviors. So what's happening is that when you're having these thoughts, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be doing this. Who am I to be doing these things? It sounds like it's making you feel a lot of self-doubt, mm -hmm. right? And maybe that's also paired with another emotion. Maybe you feel a little anxious. Maybe you feel a little sad or frustrated, you know, whatever that looks like. And then somehow that's going to come out in your behaviors. How, what does that look like for you? You know, how do I take this out on myself? How do I take it out on other people maybe? So really the key to self-growth is to become aware enough to then do better. So I just posted this, this is my Angelo quote about this. I'm not going to do it justice, but basically she said that do as best as you can until you know better, do better. And I think in this case, it's starting to learn those thought patterns that you have, right? So you start to acknowledge in the, in the situation, oh, I'm starting to have that story, right? The self-doubt story, whatever you want to call it. You start seeing the thoughts because they're like a ball of yarn. 
one, it's never just one thought. It's they're all going to be intertwined in this big ball of yarn. What are those thoughts? And starting to acknowledge them and be aware of them, noticing how it makes you feel, and then noticing how you behave. And the more you become aware of that pattern, the more you can start changing your life. Because then you can say, oh, I'm seeing the thoughts that are happening. But before you let them affect me emotionally and affect my behaviors, I can stop them. I can write them. I can work on them. And that's a lot of what the coach, what I do, at least in life coaching is helping people work on their thought patterns. Yeah. Also, I mean, the brain's main job is to keep us safe, right? So when you think about it, when we ask ourselves questions like, why am I not doing good enough? For example, the brain correct me if I'm wrong, is going to give you an answer, rightly or wrongly, but it's going to give you an answer which is just going to fuel that thought pattern of, oh, well, that's why I'm not good enough, on and on and on. Of course, because we're always looking for proof. If Mm. we believe something to be true, we are always going to be looking for proof around us. And that comes in the form of new story, like new experiences that come through. If I was feeling self-doubt or something, and then I got constructive feedback in my mind, I could translate that as see, they don't like, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm not when they could have just been saying something so small in, you know, positive way to try to help me and encourage me. So yes, our brain is always looking for that validation to our stories. And also using past experiences, past education, all of that kind of stuff to confirm, again, because we're animals, our brain is trying to keep us safe. So it's how do we really rewrite those stories that aren't serving us so then we can hold space for ourselves. We can notice and have that awareness so we can be that, I want to say the better version of ourselves, but that version we really like where we really show up, like you said, and hold space for ourselves and are much kinder to ourselves in that process. Yeah. Um, So I have two questions and I'm just going to say both of them in case I forget them. First one. Oh my gosh, I've already forgotten it. Okay. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with one for now. Yeah. (laughs) How long can we use that excuse for? I'm hoping forever. (laughs) Forever. (laughs) Um, What are some practical practices that you use either for yourself or with some of your clients when these thoughts show up? Yeah. So there's a few different ones, but I would say for some people, this may be a very overwhelming conversation. And for other people, they may feel like this is so simple. It can't be. It is this simple in that just simply noticing the thoughts when we're, well, let me take a step back. When we're believing a thought, so for example, when you were saying, you know, the the self-doubt thoughts, and let's say it is the, oh, I'm not good enough at this, or I shouldn't be doing this. There are other people that are better than this for me. When I'm believing all of that, I'm in the story. Imagine it to be a character in a story. Like you're acting it out. You're a part of it. You're believing it. You are full on engaged in that story. What happens when you start to notice your thoughts and see, okay, I'm seeing the story that's going on. Like I hear myself saying, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm not good enough, et cetera. You remove yourself from that story. You stop becoming an actor in the story and you start becoming a watcher of what's happening in front of you. And what I like to do is name the story. So a really simple thing, I I think I said it by accident earlier, like uh, it's my self-doubt story. You can name it. If you have common 
thought patterns that you notice about yourself. And I will take a step back and also just say that this takes years of awareness. This You're not just automatically going to start catching. I have some clients I work with for six months before they have that aha moment of like, oh my gosh, I just caught myself saying it the other day. Like it takes time to do this. Um, so really doing all of the awareness work is that first step. But when you do start to see it happen and understand the thoughts that are going on, you can name it. So you can say, oh, this is my, I'm not good enough story. I'm a terrible mom story. I have no time story, whatever it is for you, you can name it. So when it happens, you can say, okay, I see what's happening. This is my, I have no time story. I'm a terrible human story, whatever it is. I'm never going to amount to anything story. Mm -hmm. And it helps bring you into that third person. So the, it releases the emotion. It releases the reaction and it allows you just to see. And then as you were saying from a spiritual sense, from that higher self, from that higher being, who am I now? What, how do I want to now approach this situation? Let's say for an example, you're writing out a, a yoga plan, right? And you, you have that moment of, okay, I don't know what pose to do next. You know, I, I don't know what to do right now. I don't, you're not having the motivation or something like that or the inspiration. You start becoming really self-doubty and very critical of yourself. That's when we can say, okay, I see what's happening. I take myself out, take a deep breath. I know this is my self-doubt story. And then from that perspective, you can decide how you want to approach this moving forward. Yeah, 100%. That really resonates with me because I, I mean, obviously, as a yoga teacher, I do do a lot of meditation, uh, but it's when we meditate and when you said, you know, you can take a step back and just breathe because our breath really anchors us into this moment and helps create a bit of space in between ourselves and our thoughts yeah. to make us realize that we are not our thoughts. And yes, they are there. We can acknowledge them. We can say hi. Thank you, fear. Thank you, doubt. For wanting to keep yes. me safe <laughs> but I'm actively choosing to not allow you to become all-consuming you know in in myself um yeah I really really resonate with that okay so I'm interested because it's gonna sound like a stupid question but where did you find the belief in yourself and the sort of courage and motivation and determination to do all of this and hold space for people whilst having two kids. Because don't get me wrong, I still teach. I love my job. And it's really what for me, it's my sense of purpose. Holding space for women is my sense of purpose. And I've done a lot of work on the fact that, you know, my child is not my only sense of purpose. But that's, <laughs> you know, I'm sure you can relate to that as well. But it is tough. How, I assume loads of moms come to you with this kind of push and pull of conflicting emotions of, I want to do this, but I don't have time, you know, societal pressure of wanting a career, but actually I do enjoy being at home, but it's not my only sense of purpose, but blah, 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 you know, the avalanche of pressure that I feel society puts on us but also we put on ourselves as women. I'm not sure there was really a question, but I'm just going to open the floor to you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's such a an important perspective to to explore because I have known for a very long time that I love helping people. When I was in corporate, my favorite part of my job, I was actually a project manager in a corporate company in an advertising <laughs> agency. So I was laughing when you said project manager because I was like, oh, in more ways than one. I yeah. <laughs> I full heartedly get it. But I found 
the client work and all of that stuff was not what lit me up, right? In my body, if I felt my chest open and my heart shining, you know, those sorts of body expressions, I knew what was good for me. And doing the client work and the scheduling and all that stuff never lit me up. I loved mentoring. I loved creating internal events and I changed jobs over the years and found other jobs that were more in employee engagement. And I just found this theme that I loved helping people. And it's been a theme in my life in other ways. I love community service and volunteer work. So it's definitely been a thread that's been woven throughout my life. And on top of it, I also really love gathering people. So I call that my unique genius and that those are skills that are unique to me. I love those things. They make me happy. They may not make someone else happy. But what really was the impetus for me to finally change gears was COVID because like I said, my daughter was born in April, 2020. And at that point, my son was two. And we were one of those families that was, you know, not no screen, but low screen. And I didn't want my kids to be on TV all the time. And we had to switch to a household that was 100% screens because I had nowhere to send my two-year-old. My daughter was napping anyway, all day, every day. Anyway, so she wasn't much of an issue, but I had a massive breakdown and I, my husband sat me, I sat my husband down and he was like, okay, no, this is pretty serious. What's going on? I was like, I'm not doing okay because I feel like I'm failing. I feel like I'm not being the person who's managing everything. I feel like I'm completely out of control and everything, the world is crumbling around us. I feel like our house is crumbling, you know, within the walls. Mm. And I was at my breaking point. And he asked me this question of why do you think it is your responsibility to carry this all? And in that moment, I was like, well, there it is. I never noticed it before. Wow. I never had that awareness. I have seen growing up all of these moms that my mom was the same way. She worked, she did the house, she did the kids. She managed it all just like every other woman that was in my family and other women that I saw in society. So I knew in some ways that I knew it, but I didn't know it. You know, like we all think we were trying to be different. We all think we're being different and, oh, I don't want to do it the way my mom did or I know better, blah, blah, blah. But the reality was I was exactly doing what she was doing. And my husband said, how do you not see all I'm doing? He, again, in that moment, opened my eyes because I literally had to have the conversation with him to see that he was doing so much of the house stuff. But in my mind, I couldn't see it, right? He had to explain to me and show me what he was actually doing because I so full-heartedly believed that it was my responsibility to do it that I couldn't see what he was doing. And that's when I realized my work was not supporting me anyway and being a, a mom in that moment of COVID and working full time. And I was, I was not being supported that way, that he was the one that said, maybe this is the time where you stop. And I had already been thinking about it, but it really took someone else for me to see what was going on and that honesty. And it hurt in the moments, but it was truly eye-opening and I really thank him to this day because he was really that fire. I would have, I would have probably continued to deal with a lot of the frustrations and the angers and the resentments and living with that struggle because I didn't fully know better yet. And now that I have that new perspective, I can't imagine not doing what I'm doing. I love my children. Of course. Yeah. I love my husband. Of course. I love myself. Of course. 
but I have another side to me and that is my professional side. And I love working. I love helping others. And it's been such an amazing journey. So what it has also allowed me to do and to also answer your question is it's allowed me to help create boundaries the way I need to create them because I can make my own schedule. I have a schedule where I can work in the mornings and I can be with my children in the afternoons. And I can make decisions as a family with my husband if I if I need to work late one night because a client time changes or something like that. Because I I try to accommodate moms too. You know, everyone has stuff they're juggling and I try to be really receptive to that. And it has become such more. It was always a partnership, but it's become more of an awareness to the partnership that has made such a difference in my ability to allow myself to explore and do these things and allow myself the opportunity to to be me. Yeah, I really resonate with that because I also, um, I'm getting much better, I think. I think we will always live as women with this idea that we have to do it all and that we want to do it all, but can we you know, quiet those, you know, that inner chatter of the brain, the little demon saying, you know, you should be doing it all. But I also, I used to feel guilty if my partner put my little girl to bed, as if I wasn't doing my duty as a mum. Her dad is putting her to bed. What the fuck am I doing? Right? And then one day I went up and I was like, is everything okay? Blah, blah, just checking in. And he looked at me and he was like, Michael I'm capable, you know? And I thought, gosh, not only am I killing myself, putting this responsibility on my shoulders only, but I'm also making him feel like he's not capable as if I don't think he's capable. And then, you know, it also opened up a conversation between him and I me sharing, it's nothing to do with you, right? It's it's my thing. It's not because I don't think you're capable. It's not because I don't think you're a wonderful dad and parent. It's because I feel the need to control. <laughs> it's because I feel like if I let go of one tiny grain of sand, the foundation is just going to crumble. And slowly I've realized that actually letting go, it's not crumbling. If anything, the foundation is stronger because there's two of us holding it up. I think communication and being able to have those open and honest conversations with your partner is um, is so important, if not absolutely just vital and paramount for, you know, if, in your relationship, because, oh my gosh, doesn't, doesn't your relationship suffer when you have kids? <laughs> and also as a mom, as a person, which leads me on to, I have read, I can't remember if it was in one of your subtack writings or maybe on your website, but you speak about letting go of the super mom, you know, label. And it's funny because I, when I read that, I really resonated with it. When I was pregnant, I saw, obviously, when you're pregnant, you start following all of these like pregnancy accounts on social media, (laughs) mom accounts, etc. And then a mom had posted, you know, this writing saying, you don't need to be a super mom. And everyone had liked it and loved it and be like, oh my gosh, this resonates. And I'm there as a prospective mom. Who are you to tell me I can't do it? I was angry. I felt so angry that I was being told that I couldn't be a super mom because, you know, with my naive brain (laughs) of, you know, not realizing that it's actually rather difficult to be a parent. (laughs) I was like, I cannot believe that you're already basically telling me that I'm going to fail before I've even started. And how, I mean, I've 
slowly but surely I'm letting go of the fact that I don't need to be a super mum. I don't need to be a superhuman. I don't need to be super anything. I just need to, like you were saying at the beginning, do slightly better than the day before. And maybe the next day I'll do a little bit better. And maybe the day after that I'll go back and not do as good, but that's okay because the day after that I'll do a little bit better, you know? So it's this, it's not linear, but it's an upward trajectory. Any advice for moms that really, really struggle to let go of this idea that they do need to do it all? Yeah, I would ask them the question, how is it serving you to believe you want to be a super mom? And it could be a very positive answer could be a very negative answer. For me, I truly believe the term supermom is a survival tactic for us because we live in a world, at least in, I would say our societies are probably very similar in that we don't live in villages. We don't have tribes. We don't live in a communal style environment anymore where when I was breastfeeding, someone else would be making me dinner because How can one person be expected to breastfeed and cook at the same time? But because we live in a society where we've become more independent, all of these people are now inventing tools that we can literally breastfeed, no hands in a carrier, something like that. So we can (laughs) make dinner at the same time, right? So instead of, and I'm not saying those products don't have a place, you know, I think everything can be useful, but the reality of it is what if instead of trying to buy gadgets and this and that to try to make all of this more doable for ourselves. We said, Hey, I'm going to go breastfeed. You go make dinner or Hey, someone else, some people hire cooks, whatever it is, dinner's taken care of in a different way. So I think that mindset of the super mom has really become a survival tactic in that we have to feel we have all of our shit together because if we don't, who will? And traditionally, in our modern day society, it has fallen on the mom. But women back in the day were seen as superheroes, not in a a current modern world time, but we were the creators of life. Uh We were magical. We were these beings to be worshipped because our bodies were amazing. And I think now for a lot of us, and I, I will speak for myself in this experience, I was trying to hide the fact that I was a mom in my corporate days. I didn't want people, if one of my coworkers came up to me and was like, hey, how are your kids? I would like want to curl up in a ball and try to change the topic as quickly as possible because I never wanted to be seen as less than because I was a mom. And I know that happens. Uh We can say, oh, a lot of work has been done. And thank God for women like RGB and, you know, some of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and other people who have really devoted their lives towards women's rights to give us this opportunity to be here today. But we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And part of the reason why I am in this space now, and especially, you know, on this podcast talking to you is because I want this generation to be different now. I want to show my children, I want to show my daughter what a woman can look like to work, to have a family, to also have a personal life and all these other amazing things. And I want to show my son how he is also a stake in that game, right? What a man's responsibility can be. And it doesn't have to be a man and a woman, you know, whatever it is. But in my house, I want both of my children to see equal partnership. And they see that with my husband and I. It's not always equal. And then we have to talk things out. And like you said, communication is key. So yeah, I think the super mom term, if that really gets you going and it makes you shine, then 
if you need to prove to yourself that you can do it, go ahead and do it. But I would ask you, how is it serving you to, to keep going after that? Is it really helping you or is it hurting you in the process? Mm. And I, in my work, I do a lot of work in between, you know, finding that line in between self-care and self-sabotage, right? Mm. Such a fine line, you know, this idea of, I'm just gonna, I don't know, I'm just gonna chill on the couch and do nothing for two, three days in the name of self-care. And don't get me wrong, if that genuinely serves you, great, do it. But, you know, sometimes we need a bit of a kick up the bum. You know, sometimes we need to do the work. We need to ask the tough questions. We need to go outside. You know, for a lot of moms, just leaving the house can be really difficult sometimes. You know, or sometimes it's a bit bigger. You need to set up that business or go to that yoga class or go for a run, whatever it may be. But yeah, that that made me think of that. It's it's a tough balance. <laughs> it is. But also to that point too, I would then ask if you're sitting on the couch, because that is your quote unquote self-care in that moment. Is that because you have allowed yourself to get to the point of exhaustion mm. where that's all you can do? Or is it that, okay, well, this is what we do these days is we Netflix and, you know, that kind of stuff and kind of turn our brains off at the end of the night. Cause I have some people come to me. I was just doing a corporate talk a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about breaking bad habits. Mm-hmm. And one of the people asked, I don't remember exactly how the question went, but it was something along the lines of that. And I find myself at the end of the day, just needing to sit. And we were talking about, well, do you take breaks during the day? Do you allow yourself the opportunity to spend time on yourself during the day? Because typically, again, we live in a culture of just do, 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 and produce, produce, produce that we don't allow ourselves to be. So incorporating those breaks during the day. And then for also other people, it's a mentality of, I know at the end of the day, I'm going to be tired. Mm -hmm. And they almost set themselves up to just be on the sofa at 9am in the morning, right? It doesn't matter what they do all day. They could have rested all day, but once the kids go to bed, that's going to be their default of what they're doing. So yes, to your point, I think it's a really important step for others to identify what do you want for you, you know, and not sabotaging your goals. For me, I will use myself as an example. I really want to get more creative with my hands. Being that artsy person or, you know, using clay, you know, things that really challenge my brain and my imagination. And I want to get my hands dirty in some ways. I decided this year to buy a box of clay. So on those nights where I'm like, ugh. I have energy to do something, but I could just sit on the couch or, you know, when I'm in between, I can sit down and work with clay. And it's been amazing. It's been so fun to allow myself the opportunity to explore something I wanted to do. So again, it's looking at our mind and seeing what's actually stopping us. Again, that awareness of taking a step back and saying, why do I want to sit on the sofa right now? do I really want to sit on the sofa? And it's all about questioning yourself. Is is this a habit? Yeah. Also, I find that we as a society, I think social media has fueled this, but we live in a world where, oh, I dream of a life where I can do X, Y, Z. And actually, if we were to think about that life that we're dreaming about, what is it? If we were to picture what it looked like, just for a day, from morning to evening, what would I be doing? So many of those things we could actually incorporate 
right now? Because so many times, the amount of times, you know, I've had conversations with people. Um, I love having philosophical conversations. And the amount of times, you know, I've asked this question that we've spoken about it. And so many people start with, I would get up and I would meditate. And I'm like, you know, you can do that now. And even if you're a bit rushed in the morning, you know, you're allowed to take five minutes in your lunch break and just sit and breathe and just be still just for a moment. But for some reason, we don't do it. It's like it lives in this faraway land as if it's completely unattainable until we have the whole picture. Yeah. We can't take baby steps or we feel like we can't take baby steps. Similarly to, you know, with my yoga clients, I tell them all the time, you don't need to do an hour of yoga a day. You can do five minutes. You can do two minutes. And then maybe the next day it's three, maybe it's four. And then maybe one day you do an hour. But even if you don't, who cares? No one cares. But we feel like if we can't do it all, we live in this like extremist world, don't we? It's either all or nothing. Yeah. It's white or it's black, not Mm -hmm. realizing there's a gazillion shades of gray in the middle. So one thing you said that made me laugh a little bit, because that's actually a life coaching tool I use. It's called the ideal day. And it's a tool I used in my school. And basically we help clients identify if you could design your perfect day, what would it be? What would it look like from start to finish? You could fly all around the world. You could do whatever you want. And oftentimes they start to realize I actually have a lot of this already in my life. Mm. Like we don't even realize what's happening because we're so focused on everything externally or not even being mindful of what we currently have, but helping identify what we currently have. And then what are the gaps? What, what are those pieces that are missing? And then fill those gaps. You use the example of meditation. I have a ton of people tell me they want to start meditating. And then my next question is, well, do you though? Because sometimes with people, things are trendy. I think meditation is wonderful. I meditate quite often because I know for me, the benefits are very important, but that's where I am in my space. Someone else who may be just coming to do one small thing for themselves. Meditation may seem like the thing they should be doing, but it may not be what they really want to do. So I would challenge people to really feel into your body when you have those moments of, God, I should do this. Mm. Well, should you? You know, it's how does that make you feel? Because we can get to a point of meditation. I love, again, love meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's such an amazing example because it has so many benefits, but that may not be the answer then for everyone. So if for meditation for us works really well, what works for you? You know, as a listener out there, what really works for you? Is it a 30 minute walk? Is it a two minute walk? Like you were saying, just standing outside and, you know, like a dog, just putting your face up in the sun and just feeling it for a minute. What is that thing that you really want, especially where you are in your time and space? Because the motherhood journey, as we know, is so different across the board and at every stage of age and all that kind of stuff, it just changes so rapidly. So if you are looking to fit in that one thing for you to take that self-step towards self-care, what would that be? Yeah, I resonate with that from a yoga point of view because often for me, yoga is anything that makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my yoga practice is dancing in my living room where I just feel just connected, not even to anything in particular, or actually, you know what? I feel connected to me. I feel connected to my body. I feel connected to earth. I'm like grounded. I'm like, you know what I mean? I feel like that's like, if I were to make a sound, it would just be like, you know, and sometimes my yoga is going outside in nature 
going for a walk. You know, sometimes it's whatever. Um, exactly. But yeah, and even when I'm teaching, I'll encourage people when we do, you know, using yoga as an example, a posture, does it feel good for you in this yeah. moment? It's not because you can do it, that you have to do it. Not, you know, this idea, we do live in a world where it's, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. And oh my goodness, it weighs so heavy, so, so heavy. But like you said, I'm realizing how much like life coaching and, you know, yoga mindfulness is just so intertwined. Is it serving you actually? Yeah. And what you just described is embodiment, right? That feeling of being in your body and the present moments. And so often what gets us off course is living for society or living for others. All of the things we should be doing, quote unquote, all the things we have to do, quote unquote. But the reality of it is, what do you want to be doing? How do you want to be spending your time? I have so many people say, well, I don't have time for me. Time is a construct. It's you spend your time just like money on what you want to be spending it on. So, you know, a tool I will give your listeners is it's so simple. I love doing this with people is if you think of your day, 24 hours as a hundred percent, what are the different percentages you can divide that day into? So for example, how many hours a day do you want to be sleeping? That'll be a definite, like we know we have to sleep X amount of hours a night. What is that percentage of the pie? What is the percentage of the pie where you're at work? If you are working in a job outside of the home, or if you are inside of the home, this would be an amazing tool for stay-at-home moms, because I think especially their challenges, well, I have to do everything because I'm home, right? It's, you know, I believe, and this is my perspective, but a stay-at-home mom, your responsibility is to take care of those children, right? Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily the household. That's where the conversation comes in with your partner one exists of, you know, what's my responsibility versus yours? Because it all depends on how you look at things. It's your perspective. So it's how many hours of a day are you doing different tasks? And oftentimes there is time spent for you. So if you have, if you give yourself, let's say two hours a day, one hour a day, whatever it is in that pie chart, do you want to spend that watching Netflix? Do you want to spend that meditating? Do you want to spend that dancing? You know, and every day could be totally different. Like you were saying, when you're in your body, you start to connect with what you want and your purpose and what makes you feel alive. Not all of the things, well, you should be, I should meditate because I know it's good for me or I should eat healthy, but today I really want something that's high in fat or something that maybe, you know, a milkshake or whatever it is that like, I really just want these things for me. What do you want to, what will make you feel alive in a positive way and make you feel connected and embodied and honoring yourself? Oh, I'm like, I feel so, <laughs> I feel so, I'm just like <laughs> nodding along. He's speaking. I feel inspired. I, I want to like get on my mat and just, you know, chant to the universe. <laughs> oh, it feels so good. Like, And that's what's so funny. That's how people used to live. So I'm actually taking a shamanic training program when you were saying you're very spiritual. I was laughing because to me, that is so the journey I'm on right now. I want to feel more connected. I want to be even more embodied. You know, there's so many different things. I want to be connected more, you know, to quote unquote source and have those spiritual messages because the universe is always trying to work for us. It's just such an amazing way to live for me personally these days, feeling more connected, feeling my feet, like you said, feeling your feet on the earth, 
feeling connected above just that constant. And, you know, my teacher had said, this is how people used to live. They lived with a constant connection, but this day and age, we're so busy all of the time because we think that's how we're supposed to be. We are so disconnected. And so much of my practice is to help people come back to their bodies, to feel into their bodies, coming full circle. What I was saying in the very beginning with the body compass and learning those, our bodies are always connecting with us always communicating with us, but they don't communicate through words, right? Our hand's not going to be like, Hey, my hand hurts. Stop typing. It's going to maybe start tingling or something where it's trying to get your attention. And the more our body tries to communicate with us, the more we ignore it. So let's say for example, um, you have a choice to go to a yoga class, or you think you should stay home and do laundry. If you think of that yoga class and it lights you up, right? You're feeling all of your positive signs. And for everyone, it's a little different, but I think we can all generally think of if your heart feels open and it's shining forward, it just feels so delicious in your body. That's a good thing. You want that. You want to pick those things. Go to yoga. Laundry will be there when you get home, you know, or someone else can do it again, going back to that support system. But if we pick the laundry, the thing that makes us feel condensed, the thing that makes us feel closed off and really dims our light, the more we pick that, the more our mood's going to go. That's going to be the first sign to us. So what you were saying about like signs for life coaching and, and things like that. If you start getting snippy, if you start getting angry, if you start feeling resentful, whatever those negative emotions are, which all emotion are good emotion, but more of the negative side of emotions. If you're feeling a lot of those, your body's trying to communicate with you that something's off. And the more we continue to ignore it, the more our body is going to get more vocal and it'll probably show up as pain. Like if you're all of a sudden having pain in your right hip or your left hip or your back or your shoulders, our body is going to get louder that way. And it'll start to communicate through physical signs. And then if we still continue to not listen, we may start to try to avoid, we may start to, you know, drink or excessive shopping or Netflix because we're just trying to avoid. We know things are not good, but instead of dealing with it head on, we say, you know what, I'm just going to it's going to get me through. Yeah. And that's when the hands go up in a lot of ways. Also going back a little bit, you know, when we were talking about this idea of like, should, 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 because again, we live, everyone is so busy all the time, but the more you do, the more there is to do all the time. And I've actually realized I used to live, you know, like on a treadmill all the time. Mm -hmm. So many people and especially moms, right? live on this treadmill trying to keep up with their new life but then also with the old life you know that they thought they were going to have before the baby came and they're trying to catch up but there's this you know new life they can't catch up there's a baby like again you have to let go of the super mom unfortunately you can't but I found that actually letting go so much of so many little things that are so irrelevant we give ourselves so much stuff to do I think to feel like we're doing things even though they're fine leave them. And I was so worried to not be doing that I kept doing. And actually, I realized that it's okay. Like, I feel like I'm butchering what I'm trying to say. But the more time I gave myself to just be and to come off of the treadmill, the more I realized that actually, I'm moving faster, weirdly, if that makes sense. You know, I'm I'm thriving. Yeah, I totally. So there was a point also during COVID, during that period of time where I was just really suffering mentally. I had, we had a really bad windstorm here and I walked to the back of where our kitchen is and was looking out the backyard and our fence had fallen over. And in that moment, I was like, I am never going to get through things. I am never going to be able to get everything done that I need to done because 
life is always going to happen. And in that moment of clarity, I realized I am a hamster on a wheel. I know there's also like kind of like the treadmill. It can have a very negative connotation. Like you're just going, going, going. But in that moment, I said, well, wait, if I'm a hamster on a wheel, that means I get to control the speed in which I go. So similar to what you just said, I had a very similar moment in learning. Things are always going to happen. There's always going to be something to do. Like you said, give a busy person a task. You can find a thousand tasks just from looking around. Uh But what is actually meaningful in that moment? What do you need, like truly need to get done in that moment? And I've learned to give myself, I will give myself three tasks to do a day, especially for work or other, other places where I know I can get lost for a positive way because I love what I do. I can start to pile on things. Well, I want to get this e-blast out. I want to get this email sent. I want to, uh-huh. you know, schedule this. And it's really easy to just start doing, doing, doing. If I get three things done, I feel accomplished. Because my husband would come and be like, oh, what'd you do today? I'm saying nothing. <laughs> I would get so frustrated and be like, I didn't do anything today. Yeah. And now it's helped me realize that I'm actually doing a ton. And sometimes it are the really little things that you can get done quickly that need to happen. And I wasn't honoring them. So now I'm like, okay, if these are the three things, big, small, whatever, a mix, I feel really accomplished at the end of my workday now Mm. and in life, whatever it is. Yeah. And sometimes I find that actually, um, if I feel, especially on the days where I feel like I haven't done anything, I make an effort to write a list of all the things I have done at the end of the day. Because actually when you write it down, you realize how much you have done, but it's the unseen things that you think are just irrelevant. So you wouldn't think to write them down or you wouldn't even think to consider them as, you know, productive things, but someone's got to clean. Someone's got to do laundry. Like these things need to get done. And when you're the one doing them, they just, they hold so little value in life, but they need doing like you're doing them. I'm doing them, you know, stay at home moms are doing them and good for you. Well done. Like they deserve to be written and ticked off as if it was, you know, the biggest accomplishment of the day. Yeah. And I want to add to that because something you said was the unseen task. And I think moms that are listening can really resonate with this is that we often feel the stuff we do at home is just stuff we should be doing anyway. So Mm. it doesn't count, right? The laundry, the cleaning, whatever it is that you you do on a regular basis, we don't give ourselves credit for those things. And what came to mind as you were talking was when my kids go to the bathroom, right? So they got to go potty and it's going to take a little bit because they're going to go number two. And they say, mom, will you sit with me? Keep the, my, my daughter says, keep me company. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> I could be doing something else, right? I could use that as an advantage of like, oh, I got three minutes to go do something uninterrupted. But sitting with my daughter while she's going to the bathroom, wiping her, the whole, the whole, you know, event of going to the bathroom, that's, you're doing something, right? That's a part of this responsibility of being a mom. And I think because of our society, of what we value, doing those little things with our children sometimes often get overlooked and we dismiss them when really those can be the most important things, right? We keep trying to fill our days with things that are important, quote unquote, because that's what our society values that, you know, if they don't value the work moms do, we don't want to be doing it. It's the same reason why when I was in corporate, I was always trying to hide the fact that I was a mom. I didn't want people to see me in that role. When in reality, our strengths as mothers 
the things we do, the skills we do as mothers are strengths. And I think we as women have this opportunity to really change our perspectives in how we look at ourselves and each other. And that it's not a competition and that it's not someone's doing better than you are. Every kid's different. Every house is like, there cannot be a comparison. Like, let's be real for a minute. There's no comparison across (laughs) the board here. It's chaos everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And we're all just doing what's right. If we are embodied, if we are making decisions that are right for us as ourselves, you're doing the right thing. You're being that self that you want to be doing because you're showing up for yourself. And in that moment of just sitting with your kid to wipe their butt, that's a really beautiful moment. If we can be mindful of that time we're spending and not thinking about everything else, I used to look at it as, a, as an imposition, like, oh God, now I have to sit here for a couple minutes and I could be doing something else. Or, yeah. you know, I could use this minute to go throw the laundry on really quick. No, my kid wanted to sit with his mom for a minute and have company. Like, that's so special. Yeah. You know, it's, so I really worked hard on my mentality of what are the things I want to be spending my time on? What are the things I want to be doing? And what really lights me up? And wiping my kid's butt does not light me up all that much. But the fact <laughs> that it makes them so happy, you know, it's special. That is a bonding time. We have all kinds of crazy conversations in there. We sing songs. You know, those are the moments where sometimes it's, it's easy to say, and I'll wrap this up by saying, it's easy to say we don't have time for certain things. But really, when we become mindful of the time we're spending, then you do make the time for those things, right? I do have quality time with my kids, whether it be on the potty, whether it be tucking them into bed at night, whatever it is, I'm being mindful and present with my kids in that moment and respecting that moment. Yeah, because I think, again, it's this push and pull. We feel like we should be doing X, Y, Z because society is telling us that we should. And then, but even if we do it, then we feel guilty that we're not with our kids, right? So by to society's t- standards and let's reconnect with what I believe uh, like our roots as women, as mothers to love our kids and be with our kids and let that be okay and let that be okay. And I want to say that lightly because I know that it is so hard, so hard sometimes mentally. You don't want to be there. You feel stuck. You feel like, you know, it's never going to end. The walls are closing in on you. I have been there. But yeah, I think, again, coming back to this idea of, you know, embodiment, we've just completely lost touch with the fact that we're animals and we were meant to, you know, we're pack animals. We were meant to be in groups. We were meant to be with our kids. And as we have become an even more driven society as women, we want to have careers, which is amazing. But we need space for that. We need calm and because we can't do it all when it's so loud. Um, I am interested just really quickly, because at the beginning, we were chatting before we started about the seasons and how that affects us as, you know, women, moms, and in our lives, and how we can use them, I guess, to our advantage a little bit, because, you know, we were saying how we both find it really difficult in winter, you know, life is still happening, and we feel like we should still be happening and doing at the same rate, but it's tough, and then you beat yourself up, you know, I haven't done enough, other and it Social media fuels the fact that other people are doing stuff that you're not doing, blah, 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 blah. You're at home with your kid. Mindset, morale just drops. How any tips or tools on how women, moms can navigate that? Yeah. So I think going back to what we were just talking about and what you were saying is it's all about balance. 
it's all about finding the balance of your life between your different identities of who you are, who you want to show up as, you know, how you want to be, whether that be your individual self in that moment, is it your mom self showing up? It is your married self showing up in that moment. Is it whatever? We all have a gazillion identities and we're sisters, we're, um, you know, we're cousins, all of that stuff. We're friends. So looking at that balance, how do we have a career if a career is wanted? How do we be at home? How do we be ourselves? How do we be married through all of these different seasons is another perspective that it's so fun to explore because right now the spring has been, as soon as the equinox hit, I was like, Oh, I'm seeing life outside, right? Mm -hmm. The blossoms are starting to open. You know, our apple tree in the backyard has all these apple blossoms on it. And it's just, it's such a beautiful time of year. There's a lot of energy out right So this is a really great time to start setting intentions and using that internal energy, that natural energy. We're just coming out of hibernation. Where do we want to spend that energy, right? This is a great time to exert, to schedule extra play dates if you want to do that kind of stuff, to schedule things for yourself, to explore new hobbies while you're in that mentality and to have the energy with growth, right? Spring is all about growth. So where do we want to put that energy? Summer too, you know, building on the spring is we're in bloom. Maybe we found that thing we want to do. And now we really want to be, um, we're just lavishing in it. We're just totally thriving and exploring it more deeply and just really enjoying. And for some people with school systems, if your children are of school age, looking at how do I slow down enough in the summer to enjoy this time, right? To really blossom and to really just enjoy the sun that is shining, whether you live in a sunny place during this time or not, you know, the sun just, or the summer just has that energy of thriving. And then we go to the fall. It's okay. Time to slow down a little bit. Time to start harvesting all that we've done. Really start reaping the benefits of all of that work and all of that energy that's been taken place over the past two seasons, right? Maybe it's starting to cut back a little bit, becoming a little more introspective of what did I learn during this time period? You know, what really lit me up in the spring and the summer? What worked really well for me? What was I able to cultivate from this time and really harvest that for yourself? as awareness, right? It can be awareness. It could be relationships that you've grown. It could be jobs that you've searched, whatever hobbies. And then we transition into winter time where it's really time to slow down. And life, you said life keeps happening, but it doesn't mean you have to keep happening at that same rate. You can slow yourself down. The spring energy and the winter energy are complete opposites, right? It's that slowing down to be able to replenish self. If you imagine like becoming a seed, putting all of that energy into your seed, what needs to be nourished? What have you learned over the year from that fall that you gathered, right? What have you harvested? What can you enjoy from that now in your own space, in your own pace? What can you do to nourish yourself? And then also to prepare for the next year, right? Because another year is going to be coming, hopefully. How do we want to care for ourselves? And I think the holidays happen for a reason in that it's really dark during winter and it is seasonal depression is a real thing. So holidays 
There's a reason why there's festivals of lights across all the cultures during those November, December months in January, because it's really dark and people need a little extra boost. They need a little extra community during those times, but in small doses. So maybe it's an opportunity to look at the holidays differently, right? We're always so quick to do all these different things for the holidays and meet everyone else's needs. But what do you want the holidays look like for you and your family? How can you slow it down a little bit to make it that much more special for yourself and your families? Or if you do a big holiday season, then how do you rein it back in? Maybe you don't schedule as many play dates. Maybe you change your work schedule a little bit or change your work behaviors or hours, you know, things like that, wherever you have flexibility to control. And if you don't have control in those areas, what can you control? What can you rein in? How can you nourish yourself? So then when spring does come, you're ready. You have that energy blooming. So nature's our greatest teacher. It's right in front of us all of the time, whether you live in a city where there's very little nature, but there may be a tree here and there or a little dandelion sprouting through the sidewalk. It's everywhere. So it's really taking that time to slow down and notice and we can learn a ton from it. I am absolutely blown away. I've written everything down and, (laughs) but it's true. It makes sense. And I feel like we know it and we feel it when winter comes, we feel the need to slow down, but we fight it. Yeah. Because we feel like we should be doing X, Y, Z. It feels unnatural when in reality, it's the most natural way to feel. (laughs) Because we've become so disconnected, right? Another thing that I absolutely love that you said is this idea of having different identities. And that really resonated with me because as moms, a lot of women will agree with me, I'm sure, that you lose yourself completely. You feel like you've completely lost sight of your own identity. And I'd never thought of the idea of actually gaining a new one rather than losing mine. And I'd never thought of the concept of, so using myself, Magalie, I am, you know, a partner, I'm a mother, I'm a yoga teacher, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter myself, I'm a friend, you know, I'm so many things. I don't have to be just one. I don't have to, you know, consolidate myself to just like one small identity. And at different points of the day or the week or the month or the year, I can hone in on a particular one that maybe feels like is, you know, firing up inside of me, you know, like, for example, just using this as an example where you say, if, you know, people have kids in school in the summer, the kids are out. So maybe they're a little bit more connected to their identity as a mom. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I'm always fighting. And I know that a lot of moms feel like that as well. They're always fighting against themselves. Oh, I have to be this. They don't know who to be because there's so many things, but actually like, and we say that as a negative thing, but maybe, oh my gosh, I have so many identities reframing it. It's such a good thing. And depending on the time of day, I can hone in on this particular identity. Oh yeah. Love that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it makes it makes me so sad. And part of the reason why I got into this line of work, especially focusing on other mothers, because there's such a huge gap in uh, everything we've discussed societally and the internal pressures we put on ourselves. The fact that we don't take time to honor our individual selves Mm. makes me so sad, right? The fact that we feel we've lost a part of ourselves and maybe a part of us just really wants to go for a run that day, but we're like, no, you don't have time. Like you should be doing this right now. Or I really just want to see a friend. 
but no, you have to be doing this right now. Like you're a mom, you can't do those things anymore. It doesn't have to be that way because the more we get out of our head and clear those, you know, thought patterns that keep us locked into feeling all of the responsibility to be feeling like everything is weighing on us or things have to be done a certain way. Or if we just give one inch, then everything's going to fall apart. Like you were talking about the sand earlier. Maybe try it. See if things do crumble. You even said for yourself, things haven't crumbled yet, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe they change a little bit and shift, but it doesn't mean it's wrong, right? If our partners, if we say, hey, do the dishes and our partner doesn't load the dishwasher exactly the way we would have done it, doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just different. And that's okay. Because would I rather spend my time going behind my husband and reloading a dishwasher? Or would I rather take that 30 minutes to do something for me that he was encouraging me to do from the get-go, right? Something that makes me feel good. Yeah. So it's really becoming more mindful and respecting our identities and allowing them to flourish. Yeah. And even connecting to, I guess, what would be considered maybe um, smaller identities, but just as important in my opinion for example if you know you are someone that goes for a run that's your identity you are a runner connect give yourself permission to connect and hone in on that identity because that makes you you yeah Um, and I think that's that hits the nail on the head of why so many women struggle too because when you are postpartum you can't run right? That's something that's taken away from you during that time because you physically cannot be doing that in that moment if you, you know, if you birth a child. So it can be a huge identity crisis. Becoming a mother is a huge identity crisis. And I think our society just unfortunately doesn't give us the tools to navigate that. So we just go to like, well, that's just what it is now. I can't run again. When in reality, it'll take time and it may be a little different and that's okay. It may not be exactly the way it was before. You may never be at that level of your endurance or whatever it was that you had before. It may be different. You may be able to get back to it, but we just have to be kind and gracious with ourselves to understand that we're evolving and we're changing. Because I just want to honor for listeners, depending on what season they're in, when you have little babies, we know that's it's all hands on deck. Like there's, there's a lot that has to happen within that short period of time. I mean, my kids are already five and three. I can't believe how fast Mm. we're already out of that season. But when you're in the season, it feels like people that say, Oh, it's going to go by so fast. Don't, don't, you know, don't miss a moment of it. And you're like, I want to run away from this moment. That's it's tough. So really just honoring the season that you're in and how you can honor yourself and your identity is in each of those seasons, because it's going to be different, but just being patient and kind and really gracious with yourself is, is so key. Yeah, I agree. Being patient, kind, and gracious, uh, three of the best words to use because people say, you know, enjoy it, enjoy it. But when you're in it, you're like, sorry, what? <laughs> enjoy what? <laughs> what? What am I meant to be enjoying? You know, and again, it's this push and pull of conflicting emotions and then just battling with your identity and et cetera, et cetera. Um, before we wrap up, I would like to ask one last thing. For people that maybe are a little bit skeptical, but curious about life coaching, any words of wisdom or tips tips or tools 
or maybe some practical things that they might be able to start doing at home in their own time before, you know, to start to dip a little toe into this idea of change. Because I think we get comfortable in in our, I don't want to say misery because that sounds really doom and gloom, but change is scary. And even though we may not be happy, it's comfortable. And I think it's really difficult to take that step, even though we want it. It's really difficult to take that step towards change, even though we know that in the long run, it's going to be beneficial. Any tips, tools, tricks, or words of wisdom on that? Yeah. The first thing I would say is ask yourself what part of you or where you're feeling the most resistance Because I think becoming aware of, is it more of the talking to someone as a, maybe in your family, that wasn't seen as something that you do, right? In my family, it was, oh, you're fine. You don't need help or, you know, whatever it is. You don't need someone else to, to help you. Or is it something that you're really to your point, is it we are comfortable being uncomfortable. It's just the way our brain works. Again, it's trying to keep us safe. So even if we're in an uncomfortable position, that world has been created as a survival tactic, right? That's how we're making it through that time because this is what our brain says is okay to do. So really it's at what point is enough enough for you? Have you hit the point where you just feel like you are too disconnected from yourself? Are you feeling like the relationship you have with your partner is not what you want it to be, right? You're struggling a little bit with yourself and with your partner. Is it that you want to pursue something for yourself? Like go back to work maybe in some ways or pursue a new hobby for yourself, but you feel like you can't. You know, it's finding where a lot of that resistance is coming from. I think the key to answer your question is to really start becoming aware of yourself. And oftentimes we're quote unquote so busy, we don't take that time to become aware of ourselves. But are you really happy with who you are? And the answer could be yes, right? You could be in a great place. You could be feeling really good or are you not? And it's what are you willing to deal with? Is that the life you want for yourself? You know, it's these are all questions you have and, and communicate with yourself. Again, it's so simple. <laughs> People think like meditation, it's very simple. Like, oh, I, I can't meditate. We, we can all meditate. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's really starting to have honest conversations with yourself because it is, it can be very uncomfortable to make change, but it's at what cost if you don't, right? Are you truly living the life you want right now? Because so many times we convince ourselves, well, it's going to be different when, right? When my kids go to school, when my kids stop breastfeeding, when this, when that, when the paint dries, when the water boils, it doesn't matter, right? We're always in, we put ourselves in this waiting place. So my question to you is, are you in the waiting place? Do you want to be in the waiting place? You know, it's that all of the questions we can just start asking ourselves to really figure out, is it just a moment in time where you do just have to get through whatever, or is it an avoidance tactic? You know, just really being honest with yourself. Yeah, that really resonates with me. And I'm sure it'll resonate with a lot of listeners. Um, I have, in terms of, you know, connecting with myself and um, gaining awareness of my emotions and feelings, I meditate and I journal. Do you have any other practices that could be helpful to the listeners? Yeah, I mean... I also meditate and I journal constantly. I think it is is so helpful, but I think really it's carving out time for yourself. 
and just allowing yourself space. Because when we have space, we can actually think. And so it's not, you know, meditation space or space to do anything really. It can be just space to sit and be with yourself. And I typically do that towards the end of the day, like right before bed. I'll just lay in bed and allow myself a little bit of time just to, um, you know, I think with meditation, we're trying to get to the point where eventually our thoughts are cleared or we're we're watching our thoughts and, you know, just being mindful and, and, and present in that moment. But for me, it's what I'm talking about slightly different than a meditative practice. It's more of a, like a meeting with myself, <laughs> you know, to take time to meet with yourself and check, like a check-in. That's what it is. The yeah. check-in just to say like, Hey, what's going on? What do you need more of right now? What do you need less of? I think that is such a healthy practice because journaling helps you open up and get a lot of thoughts out because sometimes in our heads, things seem so scary and all of these practices have so amazing, such amazing benefits from them. Um, So I would say another thing you could absolutely do is just providing yourself a little space to be honest with yourself, to open the floor for yourself and just check in, see what's going on. Acknowledge, just take a minute to acknowledge how, how we feel. And I think also to know that it's okay Hey, whatever comes up. Sure. Yeah. Right. Today I feel it's not about judging. No. Yeah. It's simply noticing. Sad. I feel angry. Okay. Allowing yourself. It's okay that I feel like that. Cause I think we feel, I know I have in the past and still continue to sometimes, you know, I feel frustrated at something and then to, you know, make myself feel better. I'll beat myself up <laughs> at the fact that I was frustrated at this tiny, tiny thing, but, and then it yeah. snowballs. Yeah, holding space and checking in with ourselves. Love that. Yeah, and the tool we talked about earlier of doing that 100%, you know, the 24-hour 100% pie chart is so helpful to really start to plan out what you want your day to look like. You have control over as much as we feel we don't have control, we do because our work, our family life, you know, all of these things are just percentages, Mm. but you get to control how they all fit together and where you show up for yourself, how you show up for others, all of that kind of stuff. So that is a really, really amazing tool that can feel really empowering. And you can do that today. And the picturing your ideal day. I'm going to make notes in the in the description of, of the episode of all these things that we can start to do ASAP, guys. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> Shauna, if people would like to know more about you and the work that you do, where can they find you? I am on Instagram at Maternal Grove, G-R-O-V-E. Um, but my website has so much information on it. It's just maternalgrove.com. And Honestly, the best way to talk about this stuff is simply, I have a consult call that I love to just get on the phone and chat with you about where you are, what's going on. It's free. You know, I just, I do this work because I love it. It just lights me up and it makes me so happy. And I want to create a community for people and, um, you know, follow me on Instagram, but definitely reach out. I love, love hearing what's going on in people's lives. And if there's a way to work together, that's great. If not, it's just so fun meeting other moms and learning from each other. So thank you for the space to do this today oh you're welcome i will put your website and your instagram on the description i agree since starting the podcast i've connected with so many people and you just realize we're all just humans trying to figure it out (laughs) just learning to do what's best for us yeah and some days are harder than others but then some days we feel really connected like we can do it and you feel empowered and we've got to live for those days and sometimes you need a bit of help 
from each other, right? And that's okay too. Asking for help. You don't have to do it alone. You're not super mom. Okay. (laughs) Shana, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast and chatting to us. Thanks guys for listening. Bye.